Well, guys, how you doing? Pastor Carl here. It's another week of online Anchor Church, and we're still not gathering back together. I know it's crazy. I know that the new laws have lifted and everything, and we're, we miss you guys like crazy. We want to be with you, but we are choosing to go the safe route. We're choosing to go the legal route. We're choosing to put your needs and your health and your safety above all of our anxiousness to get together. So I just want to encourage you, keep tuning in. We'll keep you updated. But we care about you. We love you. We don't want to jeopardize anything, put anybody at risk. And we don't want to be the bad guy that's kind of going rogue for the wrong reason. So here we are again. Blessed to be with you guys today, wherever you're at watching online. Um, I got a good word for you. Um, in the middle of all of these kind of crazy days that we're having. We're doing this series right now on how to deal with a bad day. And um, the good word today is, is another way that Jesus gave us on how not to have a bad day. How can we deal with it so they could turn to good? Um, anybody out there recently had a bad day? It's almost like every day is a bad day. Anybody had a bad hair day lately? Some people have been asking why I'm wearing hats so much. Well, let me tell you, bad hair day, bad hair month. Anybody out there, can you feel me on that one? Like, I've been wearing hats. Some people are like, oh, Pastor Carl, are you going bald? No, I'm not going bald, okay? I'm just wearing hats because I don't want to mess with my crazy wig that's going on underneath here. I hope some of you guys can relate. Barbershops aren't open. What's a pastor to do? Anyways, uh, let's look at what Jesus says about bad days and how we can turn that around and so we don't have to put hats on our head and cover stuff up and I can just run with being Corona Carl with the beard, with the hair going. It's all good. But listen what we're learning from. We're learning from seven statements here today. This whole series is based on seven statements that Jesus made. And they're actually life lessons for us that Jesus made, not when he was walking around doing miracles and loving people and healing the sick, seven statements that he made from the cross from actually Jesus's worst day ever throughout the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you find these seven statements, which are lessons for us on if you're having a bad day, here's how to make it better. And he gives us these lessons. And so here's what verse we kind of get it from in Hebrews chapter 12, verse two. It says, to keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race that we're in study how he did it. That's what we're doing. We're studying how did Jesus begin the race and finish it really well. It says, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, the cross, the shame, whatever. Isn't that a good word? That he could put up with anything. And we're trying to study, how did you put up with anything? Have a bad day, the cross, the shame, uh, the, the crucifixion, all of this stuff. How can we put up with our kids are home and they're not in school and, and maybe we're being furloughed and we're having a bad hair day and we're just, we're freaking out. All of the, good, the bad stuff that's happening to us. Jesus is giving us an example to say, study me. Watch how I did this. Here's how you can deal with a bad day. And so we've gone over the past few weeks We've talked about uh, a couple things so far. One of the ways we can deal with having a bad day is to learn to forgive people. Forgive those around you that, that may have been the ones causing the bad day. And Jesus said, forgive them, God. They, they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. They know not what they do. That's one thing we learned. Last week, we talked about helping other people. That sometimes just reaching out and helping other people and that thief on the cross, Jesus spoke to him, the guy next to him, and he goes, you know what, today you're going to be with me in paradise. In the midst of his pain, he helped and encouraged someone else. And today, it's kind of a similar thing that Jesus said, but it's on the topic of serving. So here's the third lesson, the third statement that we see from Jesus on the cross is this lesson that says, serve those who are near you. Serve those who are closest to you. 
your loved ones, those in your life that your, your wife, your kids, your husband, the, the people around you, maybe it's the, the, the fellow coworkers that you're working with, but who's closest around you? Jesus gives us this killer, amazing example. Hey, you want to deal with a bad day? Here's something that'll turn your day around is learn to serve those people that are around you in life. And here's a verse that we get it from in the Gospel of John. Here's where Jesus said something to this effect. It says, standing near the cross were Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. Now, I want to just let you know the backstory really quickly is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all wrote their version of the story of Jesus. And John describes himself as the one, the disciple, the friend that Jesus loved. In other words, we kind of get the picture like this was probably, of all the disciples, this is probably Jesus's best friend, that he's closest to John. And so here's Jesus on the cross looking at his mother and his best friend there in the crowd. And, and look at what he says. It says, when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, John, he said to her, dear woman, to his mom, here's your son. And he said to this disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. So in the midst of crazy personal pain that Jesus endured, he's dying on a cross. In the midst of this pain that he's dealing with, he takes the time to look down and he works hard. He works up an effort, his last few breaths here on earth. And what does he do with them? He doesn't speak anything selfishly about his own pain or anything else. He looks down and he's serving the needs of others, the people that were closest to him in life. He's dying in pain and he sees his mom and his best friend and he encourages them to find each other and to love each other. This is an incredible example for us to see past your own pain so that you would see someone else's problem. See past your pain so that you could see someone else's problem. What we're talking about here is to don't, don't pass your pain on to others. There's too many times that we're going through a bad day and we're suffering and, and maybe you went to work and you're angry and you're just like, ugh, you're mad and, and you're on the war path. And what happens is you get into that selfish mindset that says, well, I'm angry, so I'm gonna make everybody else angry. Like I'm having a bad day, so everybody else needs to feel my wrath my pain. Everybody needs to know that I'm going through this thing too. What happens? We start complaining about everything. We turn into a critical Karen, right? Can I speak to your manager, right? We turn it, we take our pain and we project it on those people around us. And Jesus is going, why do you got to do that? Don't ruin it for somebody else. In fact, maybe, maybe you can encourage someone sitting around you right now that's close to you that you love. Maybe you could even say this to them. Hey, if you're having a bad day, don't let your bad day ruin mine. And don't let your bad day ruin mine. And that's a word for all of us is don't let the pain we're experiencing be passed on and projected to someone else around us. And Jesus did this so well. So I'm gonna give you four things today on how to deal with a bad day in terms of serving those that are near you, serving those that are closest around you. And so here's the first thing if you're taking notes, and, and I hope you are. I hope that you're, you're writing this stuff down, that you remember it. These are lessons that you can share with your connect group on the Zoom meeting, or you could just share with other family members, or there's probably someone you're going to run into this week that you could say, you know what, I just heard something really good the other day from the Word of God. Pastor Carl said something about this. Write this stuff down. This is going to be good things that you can pass on to other people. So here's the first thing when it comes to serving others is identify the real problem. 
okay? Don't identify sometimes the obvious problem. Identify the real problem. Do you know this? When Jesus was hanging on that cross, going through all that suffering and pain, he could have took the time to sit there and blame his accusers, Blame those that hung him on that cross. He could have made that problem their problem. He could have hung blame and accusation on all of those that were accusing him. But you know what he did instead of that? He died for those people. He could have said, the problem is you guys put me here. But instead, Jesus knew the real problem was a greater problem with the sin of all humanity. So he didn't focus his blame on the wrong thing. He owned it. He focused on the real problem problem. And here's, here's a verse that reminds us to focus on the real problem, identify it. Ephesians 6, 12, the famous verse on spiritual warfare. Look what it says. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. In other words, Paul was writing this in Ephesians, and he's going, yeah, sometimes you want to fight against people and blame people's bad attitudes and fight against that. He goes, that's not really the real problem is that we live in a spiritual world. There happens to be physical people, but everything is spiritual. And he goes, remember to identify the real problem. Sometimes the the fights that you're up against aren't because someone is doing something to you. It's because you have a very real enemy that's out there and he's trying to steal your joy and pull you away from the things of God. And we sometimes focus on the wrong problems. And I think sometimes if we're trying to serve other people, sometimes we take it out on the wrong people. And here's my word of advice is that you would isolate the problem before you blame the person. Isolate the actual real problem before you just blast that person over there and put them on blast. But learn to have grace for people. Don't use the words like maybe somebody got mad at you and and you're in a disagreement and argument over one situation. But you know what happens, what we do? We don't focus a problem on the situation. We focus it on the whole person, their character, who they are, and we use words like, you always do this. You never do that. Well, that's not fair. That's not really truthful. Identify the problem at the moment. Talk that through. Fix that. But don't create a bigger problem by blowing it up into something it isn't. So isolate and identify the real problem. Don't take it out on the wrong people. Just because you had problems at work doesn't mean you need to make that a problem for your kids. The problems that you experience at work doesn't mean that needs to come home and be a problem with your wife. In other words, don't project that on the wrong people. Is it There's so many cases right now I've been hearing about in the midst of this pandemic because people are living in close quarters, not used to being with your kids all day long, your wife, your spouse, whatever, all day long. And so you might have a problem with something else, but guess who gets a taste of your wrath and your fury? It's those that are closest around you. And Jesus is saying, you don't have to do that. And in the midst of all this pandemic, you know, one of the things that they're finding is is going up in numbers is domestic violence. And it's that people are frustrated, they're angry, and they're, they're taking it out on other people, is don't be that person. Isolate the problem, the real problem. Don't blame people. Here's the second thing that I think is really helpful as we're learning to serve those around us that are closest to us. Number two is this, avoid the pity party. I talked a little bit about that last week, but avoid the pity party. I think it's worth mentioning again, bringing up again, because we get so selfish and self-centered, we focus everything on us, on poor me, on I'm angry, it's my problem, and that we, we just throw this little party in our mind and we just stay there. And here's what Jesus basically did on the cross. He goes, man, this hurts. It hurts a lot. This is crucifixion, one of the ugliest, most painful, most horrendous, torturous ways to die. But Jesus, in essence, in essence what he was saying was, never mind my pain, let me help you out. Like in the midst of his own pain and suffering, he didn't throw the pity party that said, why am I here? He had eyes to look past his own pain and to see the needs of his mom and his best friend standing there. That we need to avoid this pity party. Isaiah 53, three, it describes Jesus and it says, 
He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows. And listen to this. He was acquainted with deepest grief. Now I want you to know that the word there for acquainted or what acquaint means, it means to know. In other words, it says Jesus knew deepest grief. But there's a difference is that he knew pain. He knew suffering. He knew grief, but he didn't make best friends with it. He, I know you, you're an acquaintance pain. Yeah, but we're not going to hang out all the time. He chose to just leave it as an acquaintance. Make your pain your acquaintance and not your best friend. Yeah, we all go through pain. And I'm not making light of that, that you shouldn't feel pain. Jesus knew pain, but he didn't love it. He didn't stay there in it. He didn't make best friends with it. He goes, no, I know grief, but it's just an acquaintance. Think about the people in your life right now that are acquaintances versus friends. Acquaintances, you see once in a while, you have a shallow, light relationship. I know them, but I don't know them really well, and we don't hang out all the time. And what Jesus modeled for us on the cross, that he's acquainted with grief, means, yeah, I know pain, but you know what? I'm not going to make it my best friend because there's people over there that need me. I'm looking down off the cross, and there's people that need me, so uh, I'm not going to hold on to this thing. We know it. We just don't need to hold on to it. Don't be that guy, or don't be that girl. And you know what I'm talking about in relation to this. The one that when people see you coming a mile away, they go like this, oh no, here comes Carl again. You know, he's going to bring up probably his divorce again. He's just stuck on that. He's just stuck pity party, poor Carl. Or you're the woman's like, oh yeah, oh, here she comes. Yeah, we get it. You lost your job. We get it. Now, I'm not saying that we need to be callous and harsh, but we can get the reputation for being the pity party person. And people only know us by a reputation of, woe is me, poor me, life is hard on me, everybody else is better than me. And Jesus is going, no, nah, let's not do that. Let's not, let's not stay there. We all experience pain, but let's learn to look past that pain into other people's lives. First Peter 5, 7 says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. At some point after you feel the pain, and it's real, and it's there. At some point, you need to go, well, it's here, but you know what, God? I need to let that stuff go. I need to give it to you. Life still has to go on. It may be painful, but the more that you surrender it to God, the less painful it becomes. And you're not caught up in your own pity party for the rest of your life. Is drop your pain so that you can carry someone else's. That's the, the lesson that Jesus showed us right there. He's on the cross suffering and being tortured, and he dropped that pain so he could carry someone else's pain. He saw his mom, he saw his best friend, and they were grieving, and he did something about it. Ask people how they're doing. Remember, get your eyes off yourself. The people you love closest around you, take the time to, to, to stop your stress. Ask your kids how they're doing, how their day is going. Ask your, your spouse, ask the people that you work with. Just be interested in the needs of others. I love that Psalm 23, David writes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right, I will fear no evil. I love that he says, I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But what I love most in that phrase right there is that he says, I'll walk through that valley. He doesn't say, I'm going to walk into it and I'm going to set up camp and I'm going to live now in this valley and woe is me. This is terrible. But David goes, now, you know what? We're going to walk through that valley. It hurts. It's real. Pain is real. But we're going to give that stuff to God. I'm not going to fear evil. I'm not going to camp in that valley. I'm going to keep walking right through that valley. So don't have that pity party. Avoid the pity party. Here's the third thing that I think is really good that Jesus is, is teaching us from the cross. Crazy that he's teaching us these lessons from the cross. The third one is this. Connect people. You want to serve people well and get past your own pain? Connect other people. In essence, what Jesus is saying right here is he's looking down, he's got his own pain going on, but he sees the needs of others, his, the ones he loves the most. And you know what he's saying right here? He's going, mom, 
Go live with my friend John. I need to make sure that John is looking after you because I love you, Mom. Would you go and live with my best friend because I know he'll take, and John, John, you're my best friend. I'm leaving right now and I gotta go and I'll come back for a little while but I'm, I'm basically gonna be gone up in, up in heaven and I'll see you guys again someday but my mom's gonna have a hard time with this, John, and I trust you to take care of her. So mom, you go live with him and what he's doing right there is he's connecting people because people need connection, right? It's that we would keep people connected in godly community. That's why it's so important that even though we're not gathering together in services right now, that you're still watching at home online right now. You know what I think would be a good challenge for you this week? Let me give you a little action, a little homework for you to do. Is that this week, as you go out there to serve other people and keep them connected to God and to each other, is that you could ask somebody this week, maybe some of you, I'll give you a goal, five people. Maybe one of you is just one person. Maybe some of you are like, I could get 20 people, but here's the homework. Is that you would go and find people that are disconnected out there and tell them, hey, come to church with me. Wait, I thought you guys aren't going to church. Yeah, but here's all you gotta do. Myanchor.church online. Tune in. I'm gonna watch the 9 a.m. service. I'm gonna watch the Friday night or the Wednesday service. Watch it with me and have your phone near, near you and let's text each other. Let's text, let's be open to texting. Let's connect one another. There's some good homework right now is just tell someone, hey, come to my church. Where's your church? Online, right? Wherever you're at in your living room. Go watch it. And then pick up your phone and go, hey, wasn't that a good point right there? Hey, I love this verse right there. The reason I wanted you to watch this is because I think this applies to what happened last Tuesday, what you told me about what happened at work. This is something for you. See, Jesus is making an effort to go, mom, best friend, you guys gotta stay connected. You're gonna go through rough times and I'm in pain right now, but it's not about me. I need to connect other people because I'm, I'm here to serve other people. Is it people need godly friends? Because people need God. And see, when you have godly friends in your life, you know what they're gonna push you to when you're in pain? Not, they're not gonna push you to like your own way of becoming your own God and thinking your own ideas or they're not gonna push you to, to picking up bad habits that are gonna alleviate or numb the pain for a little bit. When you got godly people in your life, all they're gonna do is push you right back to God. They're gonna pray for you. They're gonna keep you connected. They're gonna encourage you to, to get the things in life that only God can give you, not other people can give you. Peace, calm, joy, confidence, that comes from God. So people need godly friends because people need God. So we need to learn to be people that would connect one another. Listen to this in Acts chapter two or chapter 10, verse two. It's talking about, you guys may remember this story. It's talking about a certain officer, Roman officer named uh, Cornelius. And listen to what it says early in the book of Acts. It says, in Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. And this is how it describes Cornelius. It says, he was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. That means him and his whole family, they served God, they loved God, they stayed connected to God, but they did it together, his whole household. And it says, he gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. Is it connection means that we love God and we love others, but we do it together. Here's this guy, Cornelius, that was known for the fact that he didn't just serve God on his own, but his whole household went with him, that there's a value on connection. I love that. I love that Jesus was looking down from the cross at his mom and at his best friend. And what Jesus knew is that they were gonna be hurting at some time in their life, that he was leaving them, that he loved them incredibly and they loved him. And they knew that someday they believed he's the Messiah, we get to go to heaven, he talked about that, we're gonna see him again. But he's gone now. 33 years old, he's gonna die. He'll come back, hang out for 40 days, 
but then he's gone and we don't see him again for the rest of our lives. And here's what Jesus knew. He knew the, the value and the power of connection. He knew that there's gonna be days when his own mom, who raised him from, from being a little kid, that cooked him meals every day, that saw him out there in the carpentry shop with his father Joseph making chairs and tables and doing all this, that, that remembered all the memories of raising him up, watched all the miracles, watched the smiles that he brought to people's faces. He knew, Jesus knew this, that his mom, there's gonna be many bad days for her where she's gonna be missing her boy, where she's gonna be missing her one and only son, where she's gonna be missing cooking him dinner, giving him warm hugs, having him like, like, like stay in her house and talk story about what he's doing and all the things going on in his life. Jesus knew that there was gonna be times when his mom was gonna miss him terribly. And so to take care of that, he said, you need to go live with my friend John. And from here on out, he's gonna take the place of me. And you can love him the way that you love me. He put people in connection. We need connection. And he said, John, there's gonna be days that, that you're gonna look to me and I'm not there. That, that you can pray and you can talk to our Father in heaven, but there's gonna be days that you're gonna know that your best friend isn't walking by your side and you're not hanging out cooking fish over a fire anymore and you're not telling the latest jokes in, in Jerusalem and Palestine and you're not, you're not going over all the fun things that you do, hanging out with all the boys. There's gonna be days that he knew that his best friend John was gonna miss him. And he said, when those days are most hardest, I want you to bring my mom because she'll remind you of me because we, we kind of look alike a little bit. And she's gonna remind you of me and you guys are gonna comfort each other. You see the value of connection in that? And that's what God is saying. We have that ability to do. When we're having a bad day, we can lift our day by connecting other people to us, to others, and to God himself. And so I love that it says that Cornelius was a God-fearing man, as was his whole household. But what they did is, is they showed that they loved God together by giving generously and by praying regularly. I love that we can be a people where we do life together, we can give generously together. I love being a part of this church is, is I, I put a call out to you guys a couple weeks ago. And he said, the, the city has asked us to go pass out masks to all the people that live. First of all, they just asked for Kaniohe. And then I got some high hopes and I thought, let's do the whole windward side. Like, let's go big. And, and they said, well, they're only asking for a couple hundred masks because there's only a couple hundred uh, homeless people in Kaniohe. And I said, well, let's go bigger. I believe our church can give generously. Let's go big. Let's shoot for a thousand. And the staff is kind of like, well, that might be a lot, but now we can do it. Let's do it. Let's believe for God. And so we decided we're not just going to do Kaniohe. We're going from Waimanalo to Haula and we're going big. And I'm going to ask this church and watch what's going to happen. Well, I can tell you this, that my faith in you guys was true, that you are a church that gives generously. You guys handmade, they're still coming in, by the way. You guys handmade and gave to us over 1,200 homemade masks that we've already started going out and walking all the places where there's people in need or homeless people, and we've already given out hundreds of masks, and we still got a ways to go because we're going all the way up the coast of Haula. So can I just say this, that when we do this, we're stronger when we do it connected, when we do it together. When we come together, we can accomplish great things. Man, that is generosity at its finest. We pray together. Let me ask you this question. This proves that you're really connected to other people as not just who do you pray for or who prays for you, but let me ask you this question. This is an indicator of how connected you are. Who do you pray with regularly? That's different because any one of us can go, oh yeah, you haven't met? Okay, I'll pray for you. See you later. Or someone can go, hey, pastor, I was praying for you this week. Oh, that's cool. But you know what proves you're really connected? Who are the people that you actually pray with on a regular basis, whether it's face-to-face -face or a phone call or a Zoom, but with regularly? 
Pastor Tammy, who's, who's my personal assistant here, but she's also the women's ministry pastor. She's, she's the prayer and, and uh, the prayer ministry pastor. But in our weekly phone call every week or Zoom meeting that we have, where she's just checking up on my schedule and what does she need to do for me, every single week we end it with praying together. I pray with Tammy. She prays with me. That tells you the level of connectivity. There's other people in my life that are even closer to me, even more meaningful. They pray with me daily. So here's a good question to prove if you're connected or someone's connected. Who do you pray with regularly? So stay connected. And here's the last thing that Jesus taught us about how to have, how to deal with a bad day. And this is the last point is just this. Don't forget about Jesus. Don't forget about Jesus, it all comes back to Jesus. And this is just really by his example of being on the cross is that we couldn't even serve people well or love people well if it wasn't for Jesus dying on the cross and giving us the ability to love others as he has loved us. Is that personal relationship with Jesus makes our bad days good. It isn't all the other stuff that we hang it on. It's not about, well, I'm a really good person. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to change your bad day into something good. Oh, but I go to Anchor Church. Yeah, big deal. There's a label. There's egos. There's all, we're, we're not about that. Like, oh, but I, but I really believe in this Jesus, this religion. Yeah, religion is cool. You're, you're doing all the actions and you pray and you read your Bible. That's good, but that doesn't ensure that our bad days are going to be good. You know what ensures that? Is that we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He's the one that changes our life. He's our savior that opened the door to a relationship with God, the father that created us, his Holy Spirit at work in our lives every single day. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, then I I would say, well, good luck having a good day. But I know that for me, there's one surefire method for me to turn a bad day into good. That's just to get close to Jesus. That him on the cross is what made it possible for all of this. Hebrews 6.19 is a life verse for me. It's the verse that our church is basically founded on. And it's talking about hope in Jesus. And this is what it says in Hebrews 6.19. And I'll end with this verse. It says, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Listen, it's hope in Jesus that anchors me to something bigger and greater, anchors my soul to something bigger and greater than the storms at sea all around me all the time. You know, everywhere you read in the, in the Bible that so many times, uh, whether it's in uh, the Jordan River, whether it's talking about the, the Dead Sea, or it's talking about the Red Sea or the Sea of Galilee, it's talking about the oceans, it, that water always symbolizes chaos and danger. In fact, one of the hymns we sang last week was talking about that. And everywhere where they reference this stuff, you always see God being this symbol of of sure foundation. And Jesus described as this anchor for our souls. The reason that we changed our name to Anchor Church is years ago, we used to be called Hope Chapel, Kaneohebe. It was a good name and it was an appropriate name for the season. But God was doing something in me. I went through this really hard season of storm after storm after storm. And I felt like I was drowning over my head. And there was days when I didn't feel like Hope Chapel. I felt like hopeless, Carl. I felt like I didn't have hope. But this verse kept screaming at me that God just kept on saying, there's one thing you can hold on to, the anchor for our souls, and that's your hope in Jesus Christ. And that Jesus is that sure foundation, that cornerstone. He's the one that's not gonna move. He's not gonna give way to the wind and the sea and the waves and all this stuff. And it was just stirring up inside of me. And so we changed our name a few years back. We said, you know what? We're gonna be called Anchor Church. And there's a little bit of the story behind why we changed our name. It's because it all comes down to Jesus. 
It isn't about the church. It isn't about the, the names. It isn't about the, the pastor. It isn't about the, oh, his, his jokes are funny. The stories are good. Like, oh, we got cool bumper stickers and t-shirts and all that. It's not about religion. It's not about any of that stuff. You can never be a good enough person to make these kind of changes in your life. I'm gonna tell you this right now. It's only Jesus. And if you don't know him, guys, you need to know him like I know him. He's so good. He's my savior. He's my hero. He's my best friend. And point number four is, Please don't forget about Jesus. If you want to be able to see past your pain into carrying the burden and, and the problems of someone else into serving those closest around you, it starts with Jesus. It ends with Jesus. To serve those who are near you and who are closest to you, it's got to come back to Jesus. And these are his words on the cross. This is his example. Hey, mom, go live with my best friend. John, go take care of my mom. He saw past his own pain into the problems of someone else. That will turn your bad day into something good, wonderful, phenomenal. I hope that's been a good word for you guys. I hope you're encouraged today. I'd love to say a prayer with you. If you guys would just join with me wherever you're at right now, let's just say a prayer. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word today. Jesus, we thank you for your words on the cross. Lord, as we're digging into them, it's amazing to me in the midst of the most horrific death that's probably known to man. It was just so terrible, the crucifixion. The pain that you went through, Jesus, in the midst of that, you gave us examples of how to turn the worst day ever into something good. And today's message, Lord, it, it, it convicts me to my heart. Lord, I, I have a tendency to want to go into pity party mode and to, to stay there and to make my pain everybody else's. But Jesus, you gave us such a better example that we could see beyond our own pain and into the problems of other people and we could serve them and serve them well. So Lord, I pray today, everybody within the sound of my voice, Lord, that you would stir something up inside of them that would just give them the strength to choose your example on the cross that says we're going to serve other people. We're going to get our eyes off of ourselves and we're going to serve those, starting with those closest to us, our family, the friends that we're always seeing, the coworkers, especially in this time, Lord, there's, there's probably a more limited group of people that we see. Lord, help us start with them right now and look to serve their needs and to address their problems and look past our own personal pain. And I want to say a second prayer right now for those of you that may be watching and maybe you're not a Christian, or maybe you're just unsure if you're a Christian. I want to make sure that you know that after this prayer that I'm about to pray with you, that you would know, that you would feel, that you would begin to see God moving in your life in a new way because you are in the family of God, you are saved, you are forgiven, and that you do have an eternal relationship with him. And if you're someone that's going, well, I'm not there yet, but I'm kind of interested, and what do I need to do? And maybe some of you are like, well, I, I used to be there. I used to walk strongly with God, and I've I've kind of slipped. I've actually walked away. And this is reminding me of what it is to, to, to live my life for Jesus. Well, wherever you're at in that spectrum, if you're far from God right now, if you're not 100% sure that you're in his family and under his care and forgiven and going to heaven, can I just offer a simple prayer of your heart that will change everything and make sure that you're in. And all you got to do is pray this prayer with me. And I'll, you might want to pray it out loud if you're sitting there somewhere by yourself. If you want to just pray it in your heart of hearts, God judges you on the heart, not always on the words that come out of your mouth. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now that you just kind of pray the words that I'm going to say out loud for you, but you make them your words to God right now, and this is the one that changes your eternity. This is the very reason that we have Jesus and Christianity, we have eternal life. So this is the big one right now. And if you're serious about this, I'd love for you just to pray this, these words with me in your heart to God. And I'll be looking right at you because I'm speaking to you right now. You don't have to close your eyes if you don't want to, but let me lead you in this prayer right now. Let's just go ahead and pray. God, we come before you right now, right here today, wherever we're at. Lord, in our hearts, 
They're just open to you. And we may not know everything there is to know about Christianity and relationship with you, but God, this is our first step in just saying, yes, we want to follow you. We want to serve you. We want to let you into our headspace, our hearts, our lives, so that you could begin to change us and create something beautiful. So God, we're coming to you here right now from the bottom of our heart, and we're just saying yes to everything you've made available for us. Jesus, we believe that you went to the cross to die in our place for our sin, for our separation, all of our hurts and hangups and mistakes that we've ever made, our guilt, so that you could forgive us of that. That when you rose from the dead on the third day, you didn't just conquer death itself, but you conquered all the sin and shame that was held against us, that we put on ourselves that kept us far away from you, God. And that when you forgive us because of the cross, you paid with your life for ours, then now we have a clean slate, wiped clean. Now we're not gonna be perfect, but what you did on the cross forgives us and saves us. And from here on out, you got us and we're gonna hold on to you. So thank you, Jesus, for making a way that we can have a relationship with God the Father, with his son, Jesus, and with the Holy Spirit that really works in us daily to change our lives. From here on out, we're gonna follow you. We're gonna trust you. We believe in you. Thank you for being our God from here on out. We look forward to eternity with you. Thank you, God. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you guys.